Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman, a collaborative podcast with Pass It On Network. This program is brought to you by all of Community Services. Seniors deserve to have a fulfilling life with dignity and respect, but as we transition into our elderhood years, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here is Phyllis Amon. Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, presenting informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amon, your host. The library of all of the show episodes, beginning from September 2019, can be found on the Voice America Empowerment Channel under the name Senior Straight Talk. And of course, they can also be found on popular podcast platforms. The show is also syndicated on the Voice America Influencers channel. Please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. For those listeners who are in what I call SOS mode, stressed, overwhelmed, and stretched, I'll be launching a new free caregiver distress recovery challenge in the upcoming months helping caregivers find a path to bringing much-needed self-care into their daily routine. It features Empathy, my registered trademark, which is also the basis of a self-care commitment letter, and teaches strategies from my proprietary framework for self-care, self-kindness, self-compassion, and self-forgiveness. Important strategies that will help you feel recharged and re-energized as you face life's challenges. Family members considering taking on the role of caregiver, those just beginning the caregiver journey, can find valuable information in my course, A Caregiver's Guide to Caregiving the Basics. You will be able to find information on the course once you click on the free book offer on the Senior Straight Talk host page. That's www.freeagingparentbook.com. You can also find information on the homepage of my website, phyllisamonassociates.com. Again, by clicking the link freeagingparentbook.com. Once you grab the free copy of Dignity and Respect, you'll find information on the Caregiver's Guide to Caregiving course and the valuable free bonuses that go along with it. My latest book, Think Big, was released May 17th on Amazon. It features my story, my big vision, about how to shift our ideas about aging and older adults and the value they have in our lives and in society. I'm honored to be included in this book alongside the iconic and legendary Brian Tracy, entrepreneur Bob Bodine and many others. The book is published by Kyle Wilson, president of Jim Rohn International. I hope you'll grab a copy on Amazon. The many stories included in the book can inspire and motivate you in your business and positively impact your own personal development and growth. You can also get the paperback for Dignity and Respect, Are Our Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve on Amazon. The book addresses critical information about how we care for and treat our elder citizens in our families, our communities, in nursing homes, and assisted living residences across the country. I'm honored that Dr. Bill Thomas wrote the forward for the book, so I hope you'll get a copy and encourage your friends and colleagues to do the same. Your support is greatly appreciated, and I hope you'll spread the word on this all-important topic. 
Senior Straight Talk is very proud of the collaborative partnership with the Pass It On Network, a global peer learning network for positive aging advocates and a member of the United Nations Open-Ended Working Group on Aging. Senior Straight Talk and the Pass It On Network continue bringing listeners informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. And now I'd like to introduce today's guest, so Mitzi, thanks so much for agreeing to be here with me today. I'm so thrilled. It's been a long journey. As I mentioned to you a while ago, I've been wanting to have a conversation with you for about a year or so now. So it finally came to fruition and here we are and I'm, I'm so thrilled. And um, you know, when I, I originally wrote an email to connect with you uh, through Kyle Wilson from um, the Think Big book, um, I wrote how many similar life experiences we had, and um, you never know what kind of similarities people have from different walks of life. And I think that's so important to bring to this conversation so that people are aware and, and are open to new connections and understanding what other people go through. So uh, you've had some trials and tribulations and wonderful accomplishments. So do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, let's see which would be most appropriate. Um, I know that you were interested that I once had a lisp that was almost disabling. Should I talk about that? Yeah, sure, why not? Okay, at age 38, I really hadn't done much with my life. Uh, you know, I had a really good education and yet professionally, I'd never gone out on a limb and you know, tried to be all I could be. And an event happened in my life that absolutely changed everything. I was friendly with a guy who worked for me. Uh, friendly as in, well, here's the deal. I owned rice farms, you know, the kind of food that you eat with chopsticks, rice. <laughs> okay, and I had a tenant farmer, but he was a most unusual person because he had an IQ over 200. Wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, psychology today, like, I don't know, in the 1940s or maybe don't, don't hold me today, but long ago, um, they did a story on what was called the Whiz Kids. These are people with extraordinarily high IQs. Uh, and then like, I don't know, 40 years later, 50 years later, they wanted to see what happened to them. So if you had an IQ of over 200, what does that mean for your life trajectory? <clears throat> I think and I remember that article. Well, I mean, it was a very famous one. Yeah. But of the of the forty whiz kids, uh, the overwhelming majority of them, by the time they were in their seventies or so, uh, they had been alcoholics or been in accident, car accidents that they shouldn't have been in, or suicides. One way or another, almost nobody had any kind of normal life except one, <coughs> and that one. To protect the the uh, guilty, I'll use a fake name. Let's call him Peter Smith. Uh, Peter Smith, the article in Psychology Today, said he leads a fairly normal life. He's a uh, rice grower in Northern California. But this was my tenant farmer. Oh my goodness! Now, can you believe? Well, and now we come to the point that is going to tie together with my lisp and something that changed my life. Peter's whole life had been sort of focused around the fact that he knew he had a hugely IQ, high IQ, and that he really wanted to give back to humanity. 
you know, he'd been given this gift. He wanted to give something back. And he was going to write a great book. He even had a name for it. It was called Life, an Owner's Manual. Well, he conceived this idea in his 20s. He realized, yeah, I'm way too young to, to write about such a great thing in my 20s. And he felt the same way in his 30s, his 40s, and his 50s. Always, it's just so much more more to learn, more that, you know, if I only could tie it all together with greater wisdom, I could offer more to humanity. Well, in his mid-60s, and he's working for me at this point, he was diagnosed with terminal heart disease. Mm. As in, uh, four of his coronary arteries were so occluded that they didn't think they could keep him alive long enough to have bypass surgery. Well, question rhetorical. If you had been given a a death sentence like that, it would be depressing, right? But For no... most people, I believe so, right? Okay, but, but this was, I think, more depressing than average because suddenly he had to step back and say, you know, my whole life, I've been working towards this one thing and now I can't do it. Mm. I mean, that's just a ghastly situation. However, uh, back in, I think we're talking maybe late 1970s, early 1980s, there was, there wasn't probably still is for all I know, something called the Pritikin Clinic, which is very big on what your diet is, what your mental attitude is. What Correct. Your yes. Is. I, I love Pritikin, Pritikin Institute. Yes, it was well, very I, well known, the Pritikin diet. I remember that. Absolutely. Well, actually, I, to this day, I believe in it. Well, anyway, I did the most presumptuous thing I've ever done in my life. You know, he was my employee. And he was sitting in my office and I just uh, picked up the phone, called the Pritikin Clinic in, I think it was Los Angeles, Southern California in any case. And I signed him up for a month. And he was too weak and ill and you know, heart pain to, to really fight me on this. I sent him off to the Pritikin Clinic and a miracle happened. A month later, he came back. He had lost, I don't know, 15 pounds before he couldn't walk across my office without just crippling angina, heart pain. Now he could walk five miles and feel great. He'd come oh. back to life. And I'll, I'll jump ahead in the story. He actually lived another 20 years. Okay, so he's telling me, oh, this is so wonderful. Oh, I've got my life back. And I said, yes, Peter, this is the greatest thing in the world. Write your book. And he said, the words that changed my life, he said, Yes, I'm almost ready to. And at that point, I realized that he never would. And he never did. And what that taught me was, don't hold back, don't wait. And further, I know that the reason he didn't even try to write the book was, and take, you have to take my word for this because I knew the man very, very well. I knew that his reason for not writing the book was he was afraid of failure. But that meant he did the one thing that's guaranteed to produce failure and that's not to try correct you, so, you know um, you know what the um ice hockey uh the ice hockey player wayne gretzky says you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take right exactly exactly well i suddenly looked at my own life and thought you know i would really like to be a writer i'd love to be in television i'd like to be a broadcaster however i've never auditioned I've never sent in articles. I'm afraid of failure. Do I want to be like Peter? No. 
And so I decided I would redefine failure. Failure is not giving it your all. And if you, you know, if you get that rejection letter, if you fail that audition, you're still farther, farther along the way because you're going to learn things just in the process of trying that will put you farther ahead. And one of the things that was holding me back was, that would at least hold me back from television and radio for that matter is, I had a severe lisp. And a lisp at its worst is not just something you can hear, you can see it. Correct. Well, I decided, I've been holding back about doing this for so long, I gotta make a change. So I went to a speech therapist and said, I wanna get over my lisp. She said, and this being early 1980s, she said, we don't have the tools to help somebody. We can help you if you were a child, but by the time you're 34, whatever I was, uh, not a chance. <laughs> I can't well, imagine I, such a thing, but whatever, okay. Well, I, I, I believe that it's no longer true, but back then I, I, I believe that I know it's true because you know, here I'd made up my mind to try and I'm getting like kicked in the teeth in effect. Right. So I went to another speech therapist. She told me exactly the same thing. I went to a third. And by now it's getting to be a real pain in the neck because I had picked the closest one. The third one was like an, well, a two hour commute back and forth through right. Godair. And she, you know, she told me the same things that the others did, which was, uh, we don't have the tools to teach somebody who's your age. You know, Again, if you were a kid, piece of cake at your age can't be done. However, I'd be happy to take your money if you want to try. <laughs> that, when I read that, that's the most, and when we spoke about it before, that to me is the most incredible thing I've ever heard. You know, I can't help you, but sure, pay me and what the heck. <laughs> but I'm just so glad that she did. I, I have no resentment that, that she thought it couldn't be done. But, but in any case, for the first like eight months, I was getting nowhere because I couldn't hear the difference. I couldn't get my tongue in the right position. There's just no progress of any sort. But then all of a sudden it began coming together and somewhere around nine months, uh, I was able to get rid of my lisp, which gave me the courage to, try to audition for television and radio. And I began sending in uh, articles to see if I could become a writer. And you know, I, I had plenty of turndowns, plenty of failed auditions, but I ended up with a television program that became syndicated to 76 stations. My column went to 420 newspapers and my radio broadcast was carried by the Coast to Coast Radio Network. But I'm thinking, you know, I'm the same person who felt she couldn't do it and then decided, I don't care about failure. I care about trying and look where it got me. I, I love that story and so why I was so inspired by your story and well, I started this journey into media, um, podcasts, radios, you know, radio and, and I actually did a short stint on a television station, but it was much later in life. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's about, it is about trying. It's about asking, it's about trying, it's about overcoming your fears. Um, it's about taking, you know, as, as, you know, a lot of people say uncomfortable action. And sometimes it is very, very uncomfortable. But once you 
take that first step and pass that, I guess, bridge, go, go through that, that first threshold, I think it becomes easier and easier. And so there are so many older adults, especially who maybe they finished their career or they've retired and they have passions and desires and things they always wanted to do or places they always wanted to go. And I think your story is so inspiring for them because- Well, can I add to it then? Yes, absolutely, please. Well, because there's sort of a PS to it. I'm 81 now and proud of it, but uh, at age 75, I decided, you know, what I really enjoy in life is communication. I wanted to be a public speaker. I took a year long course with the National Speakers Association. Uh, and it was, I think it, it, it took a minimum of 10 hours a week, minimum. Right. Uh, and at the end of it, I began a speaking career and oh, it's, it's just the best thing. But there's a but to this in the class. I was easily double the age of, of the next oldest person. So yeah, it, it was really fun being an elderly person in a class of young people. Yes, but think of all the wisdom that you could impart to them and, and the example that you were to them about that very thing that you can always, even if they were in a class and they were half your age at that point, maybe that made an impression on them and later on in their own life, they have something else they want to pursue. I'm gonna tell a little story if you don't mind about uncomfortable action that I took. So I always, I love dancing. Yeah. I love dancing. Um, my mother used to dance with me in our living room and my father, Aww. she loved dancing. And, um, and uh, you know, I used to watch Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and all of that, right? And so- um, Yes, 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 and yes. Right, so I always loved dancing and then, um, I, I met somebody <clears throat> in, in a nursing home I was working in actually, and she told me about a dancing club that opened a little place and I went with her. I walked in, I said, I, I died and woke up in heaven. Oh. That's how I felt. And I went there for a long time, whatever. And then they closed and moved and it was a distance away. Okay, so then a few years fast forward, um, I get this postcard that um, a dance studio opened not far from me. It happened to be a dance studio open, open by the guys from Dancing with the Stars. Oh, and wow. I, right? So I went to this, um, they were having some workshop or something in the city and uh, it was two days with Max and Val and I went. And um, I think I had met Tony Devolani a few months before at an event and nothing happened with that. Anyway, I wound up going to this studio and I had one or two lessons and the teacher says to me, uh, you know, we're having, a, um, we're having a, a showcase and would you like to be in the showcase? I think you could do it. Now the dancing I did was nowhere near, I mean, it was years before and I really didn't have a lot of like formal, good formal training. But here's me, I said, sure. I thought this was my dancing with the stars moment. So I meet with, I had to meet with Tony Devolani and you know, you never danced with before and not much training and where it turns out my first dance teacher that I knew from that little club, he knew him. Okay, great. So we decide to do this. I decide to do this. We have our 17 lessons and okay. I'm standing backstage 
you know, in my costume and my hair and makeup and there's a stage and there are people who bought tickets for this event. And I'm oh. thinking, what the heck did I do, right? I jumped in head first without really thinking. And I think sometimes it takes doing that, right? Not thinking of the, oh my God, what will I do? Will I be able to do it? I'll never forget. I could, I could see it and feel it now standing backstage saying, I, I can't do this. And they were like, oh, yes, you can, because you're on next. <laughs> oh, I love that story. And I went out and I did it. And, and I did, you know, as a teacher said, I nailed it for my little en entry level. And um, I think that has helped me in some of these pursuits, deciding to do a podcast, writing books. I mean, uh, I had never really thought about that before. So I, there are transitional moments, pivotal moments in your life that can take you to the next level. In your case, it was the rice farmer, right? Well, I was happy as can be as a rice farmer. Uh, however, it wasn't what I really felt I was here for. Right. So, and and what, what you were saying about, you know, kind of plunging in and you didn't feel totally prepared. I, I need to share my motto with you and everyone else, which is, it was like this, Ready, fire, aim. <laughs> I love that. I love it. And I guess we both did that. So I have a question for you. Do you think having the list, because I'm <laughs> sure that there were, you know, feelings of being self-conscious that went along with that. And, um, and how? Right. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm wondering if any of that had something to do with you choosing to be a rice farmer, um, which is, I don't know what that world is, certainly. I don't know if it's isolating. I don't know if you come in contact with a lot of people, but do you think the choice that you made had some, was somewhat impacted by the fact that you had this debilitating lisp? Oh yeah, it had to be because when I get to know people well, I, I would many times hear, that they assumed that I was stupid until they got to know me because oh. they acquit. And so, you know, when you're meeting new people and you know that you got this horrible lisp and they're thinking you're stupid, that does not encourage an outgoing <laughs> personality. And yeah, rice growing, there, yeah, there's a tremendous amount of time spending, spent walking the fields and uh, not interacting with people. So yeah, it was... Uh, it worked great for me until I decided because of Peter Smith that that I was I would simply redefine failure as not trying. So did, did Peter Smith ever come to know the pivotal role he played in your life? Uh, probably not because uh, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to hurt his feelings by my saying you're what I'm making my life the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, that, that could come across that way, I suppose. <laughs> but he actually did something wonderful. He wanted to write a book about life's meaning. And actually, through you deciding to take a different path, maybe that is part of life's meaning. So maybe he did achieve his goal. You know, I, I think I'm going to agree with you. Um, you know, he, he was such an interesting case because, you know, I was held back for a long time by a lisp, 
think he was held back by kind of self-consciousness about being so brilliant. Right. Hmm. But, but, but most of all, uh, I really do believe that he was afraid of failure and he wouldn't, he did the one thing that guaranteed that he wouldn't be a success. And that is he didn't try. Right. Fascinating. So on that note, we're going to take a short break on Seniors Straight Talk, sponsored by Phyllis Amon Associates. And when we come back, I want to talk about your passion and your advocacy for human trafficking, which is such a devastating problem, not only in this country, but around the world. So we'll be right back on Seniors Straight Talk. Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. You are tuned in to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the host at phyllis at seniorstraighttalk.com. Now back to Senior Straight Talk. So I'm here again uh, with uh, Mitzi Perdue having this phenomenal, lively conversation. And um, in the first segment, we talked about her journey to becoming a speaker and overcoming personal issues and tribulations and um, becoming a writer and a television broadcaster. But as I said in her bio, Mitzi is, um, passionate about human trafficking. And this is such an important and devastating issue. I really want you to talk about it in this second segment of Senior Straight Talk. Well, I'm so pleased, but allow me, dear Phyllis, to give an almighty plug to, to an interview that I had with you for Psychology Today. I, I hope our listeners will go look up your name and my name and psychology today. And they're gonna come across a really exciting new kind of story in psychology today. And it has to do with the fact, Dolly, you know the statistics so much better than I, but I'll plunge in and do my best and invite you to correct me. But a huge number of baby boomers are retiring. Is it 10,000 a day or something? It's 10,000 a day from now until about 2034, 2035, a huge number. Okay, and, and a third of them, according to this article, which I quote you on, uh, are likely to need elder care. And this has become an absolute magnet for human traffickers because there's, there's a lot of cases where, where the bad guys, the traffickers, will maybe take somebody from, oh, let's say the Philippines, and bring them to this country and then pay them like, I'm sort of making this up, but I think I'm directionally right. Pay them like a couple of dollars an hour and work them 12 hours a day in conditions that just nobody would voluntarily do. They are being trafficked. And the article that I wrote after interviewing you, uh, the editor said, you know, this is a really important story that hasn't been told. So everybody go look for Psychology Today, Phyllis Amon, 
Mitzi Perdue, and you're, you're going to find, I think, a really important story. And as a matter of fact, you know, I'm used to interviewing you because I did interview for the story. I, allow me to, for a second, to switch hats and ask you a question. Sure. Oh, my God. This is funny. Okay. The question is, I know you know the answer. Uh, what? There's the moral dimension of how it's just terrible to have slave labor, which in effect this is, but it also affects the recipients of the care. If somebody has been trafficked and is depressed and talk about the symptoms that, that make it just not right for that person to be caring. Right, so, um, so, you know, the, besides the, the fear and the, the shame and the guilt and the depression, I mean, there are profound and long-standing effects for the person who's been trafficked, similar to, to those who have any um, extraordinary trauma. And it's akin to being having PTSD. And so, uh, you know, and another aspect, I mean, obviously this affects your relationship with yourself, but it, it affects your relationship with others, whether they be personal or professional. And there's another aspect of it where where people just become disconnected they feel numb so i mean i wouldn't think that having a person who's numb um would be a good caregiver for a person who's frail or elderly or infirm so i mean the situation you know it was interesting when you asked me um why would somebody in human trafficking be interested in my area, right? And I immediately went to, and I don't want to really dwell on this because I want you to talk about your, you know, from your perspective, your passion, but it brought me to when I first started as a speech pathologist in nursing homes. So that was quite a number of years ago. And um, it just triggered that memory. And I was like, oh my God, I, I guess that would be akin to trafficking. So there was the, there were these people, and it's funny you mentioned the Philippines, it's not funny, ha ha, you know, but they, these people were here from the Philippines. And this, as I say, is many, many, many years ago, the person who owned that building is no longer alive. Actually, she died in jail. But um, anyway, um, and after a short period of time, they started to open up to those of us who, you know, had been working and were from this country and told us about these horrific circumstances where they were forced to work 12 hours a day, seven days a week, living in horrendous conditions. They weren't paid much. Uh, they were brought here for however many years, you know, under this contract. And so, I mean, my mind went to that immediately because at the time I didn't think of it that way. And then I fast forwarded in my mind to another group of people and there were 27 of them who sued an owner and walked out on an owner because of the horrific working conditions. Um, so when you asked me that, I was like, oh my God, I've come face to face with it and I never even realized it. You know, that happens so much with trafficking because it's under our noses. It's right there. But if we're not looking for it, we don't see it. And right. by the way, I have a few statistics on human trafficking. Sure, please. Okay, the best estimates are that it's $150 billion a year industry. Oh my that they're, And again, these, I believe the statistic I'm about to give you is out of date. I think it's worse than I'm about to say. But statistics from maybe five years ago 
say that there are 40 million people who are being enslaved and maybe 8 million of them are sex trafficked. And, huh. you know, and any kind of, tra of trafficking, I mean, trafficking is slavery. And, hmm. and I, I think they're all horrendous, but the, the one that catches my attention most is sex trafficking, particularly young girls. And a young girl, very typically, her trafficker might make a hundred thousand, quarter of a million dollars a year off of her. He'll sell her like as often as eight times a night, 365 days a year. Her, hmm. now this may be hard to hear, but her life expectancy is less than seven years. She's going to commit suicide or overdose or be murdered oh. for her. Now, it's just the worst thing that I've ever heard of. So it's interesting that you said that uh, that statistic because I think that most people, and that is horrendous, and especially now with refugees around the world and war-torn areas and, and people, you know, parents themselves who feel they can't help their children anymore and they sell their children, not because they want to see them in that situation, but they feel as though they're, you know, the traffickers can come across as though they're helping and obviously they're not going to tell anybody I'm going to traffic your child, right? right. Uh, but I think that most people only think of trafficking in terms of sex trafficking, but there's so much more to it. Isn't that correct? Yeah, labor trafficking is the majority of it. Uh, but I mean, that's a pretty gruesome life to be, to be labor trafficked. Uh, absolutely. So wasn't there just, I sent you this article, I'm sure you, you saw it also, about this horrific situation in Texas with these people who died in this trailer, right? So, I mean, the, the, from the, they're, they're, these people are not considered people, basically. They're considered a commodity, correct? Yeah, and I, if I can add to, I, I bet many of the people in our audience know of the case of, of this truck, except how many people were in it? I, I'm remembering an unrealistic 60, Was it 60 something or was it 60? Somehow I'm thinking 46, but I'm not trusting my memory, but just an unthinkable number of people were in this truck with no water and the temperature outside was 103 degrees. So heaven knows what it was inside and most of them died. But I want to, I want to go from that to that. That's just one example. Uh, I was talking, I did a story on this for psychology today. I interviewed by phone a sheriff from one of those border uh, counties. And he, he told, yeah, tell me how you respond to this statistic from somebody who's an authority. He told me that we had 997, almost a thousand unaccompanied minors and we only have the resources to, you know, to check in for the people who are picking them up uh, yeah, for maybe 10 of them. And so um, I'm thinking that that's since, you know, I asked him, is, is that since January? And he said, no, that's yesterday. Oh my, uh, oh my. And he said, you know, we can't know what happens to them, but we know a fair amount of time. Uh, you know, that, you know, I'm using his example uh, then a man comes to pick up little Elena and he says, you know, I, I'm Tio Adolfo right. and, and I'm taking her, I, you know, we know she's coming and I'm taking her to the rest of the family in San Jose. Right. 
And then they see that girl in Florida uh, in a brothel. Ah. And so they, the, the sheriff told me, you know, you only know now and then what happens to them, but you can be pretty sure that, I mean, kind of, here's how it works in my understanding. The cartels make fabulous amounts of money off of each girl, or in some cases, boy, and they have it just like a really well-oiled machine. So there are lots of Tio Adolfo's picking up little Elena and saying, yes, we're taking her to the family in, I don't know, Los Angeles or whatever, but they're not, they're part of trafficking rings. And we don't have the personnel, if, if I understood the sheriff correctly, and I believe I do, we just don't, you know, if there were 10 a day, you know, we could look into all of them, but what if there's close to a thousand a day, day after day, we just can't protect them. It's, I, I don't even know what to say, I'm speechless. When you said since yesterday, and I mean, I was waiting for you to say, well, maybe this month or this week or something but no it's it's daily uh, it's and, and and again we can't know of those close to a thousand children but he's under the impression that it's a huge 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 percentage so is it only young girls or is it also like teenagers young women um oh uh, okay I've heard people say that it goes after all ages, but I'm pretty sure at 81 that I'm not a tight kid. <laughs> I think I'm pretty safe too at 69. <laughs> We're laughing, but it's funny, but it's not, right? Um, right. By the way, I, I read a statistic about humor recently. I'm taking an online course on humor with Udemy. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but anyhow, uh -huh. the, the course professor said that something like 60% of the times that we laugh isn't because it's funny, it's because we recognize it. It's sort of a laugh of recognition. Oh, so that's interesting. So uh, can I interject something? So I'll tell you uh, something about laughter because I have, um, I have a course about self-care and I, laughter is an important part of self-care. It helps with an endorph endorphins and many things. Um, and I have a phrase that I came up with, I think I'm going to trademark, um, but um, really the only time, and most people, only a speech pathologist would probably kind of think of this or get it or, or people in an allied profession like that. It's really the only time that your cheeks get um, intense blood flow when you're smiling or laughing. Because if you think about it, yes, maybe when you're chewing a little bit, True, but uh, unless you smile or laugh, nothing really is happening. And I believe um, that one of the reasons that um, my appearance might not be um, what one would think with my age is because I have spent so many years doing exercises, facial exercises with people, right? that I think that it has stimulated the blood flow and it has, you know, enhanced my, my, the resilience of my skin and my face. Okay, and in my case, uh, if you think I look younger than 81, it's yeah. because of the filter on Zoom. just <laughs> <laughs> your appearance. So you're not seeing all my, my wrinkles. But uh, so I'll tell you something. 
So wait, I just want to tell you something about wrinkles because um, just yesterday, I was this past weekend, I was with a friend. She's actually my undergraduate college professor, and we're still friends. Oh, uh, and she's your age. She's your age, and um, she um, a couple of, when I had her as a guest on the podcast in the beginning. Well, when is it? Uh, when it was uh, the radio show, and she told a little story. And I told her, it wasn't until yesterday that I told her what a profound impact that story has had on me. So, uh, because I had cosmetic surgery years ago, I had my eyes done. And I thought of having my lower face done and that just never happened. And so what she said on this podcast was that her grandchildren for whom she cares now that she's left her regular job, um, asked her once, Nana, how come you have so many wrinkles? And she said, I've earned these wrinkles. Oh. And these wrinkles, there is a lot of wisdom behind these wrinkles. And that's what helps me teach you. And, oh, that's beautiful. That's just beautiful. And I've written about it. And yesterday, was, we were sitting in her living room. was the first time I told her what an impact that statement has had on me. So when you say that, Without wrinkles, how would anybody know what age or what station we've achieved and the wisdom that we bring to the table? Uh, maybe I better go readjust my Amazon, <laughs> no, sorry, my Zoom uh, filters. Right, right. But yeah, so actually, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not ashamed of my wrinkles. I'm reasonably proud of them. Right, me too. And I just see it very differently. Oh, now. You can see them. Maybe, maybe it doesn't work as well as the <laughs> filter. But the, the uh, you know, the cosmetic industry, which is a multi-billion trillion dollar industry would have us think otherwise, right? You should have fillers and injections. I mean, I, I, would, I would- I have I haven't done all that. I just take the real cheap way of the, uh, <laughs> the Zoom filter. And, and not that I even care that much. Uh, but, but by the way, I wanted to mention something else, uh, which I believe you and I have a connection. It's It's, you're aware of Mark Victor Hansen, Chicken Soup for the Soul? Absolutely. And I sent you a picture of me with him. I met him in December. I was so thrilled. I was at an event and he was there and I rushed up to get a picture with him. I was so excited. And you wrote a book about him, right? I wrote a book about him. I, uh, it's a biography of him. But all the, uh, I was going to say all the royalties are going to combating human trafficking, but I do have a short-term uh, use for the royalties. Long-term, it's against human trafficking, but short-term, there's, I got a request to have the book translated into Russian. I didn't want it translated into Russian. So I asked a Ukrainian friend, what do you think? And they said, yes, could we translate it into Ukrainian? So uh, my book is now in Ukrainian and there's a, a guy from Ukraine who's formatting it, which I couldn't possibly do because it's in a foreign language, who's formatting it uh, to be available on Amazon. And so since, since they were kind enough to want my book, I said all the royalties uh, that come from the Ukrainian version go to Ukraine. Oh, I love that. I have a friend who's Ukrainian. She's a very accomplished artist. And I will tell her about that because I'm sure she'll, she'll be thrilled. She's, she's very accomplished and she has very unique art. 
And, and by the way, I'm interrupting. But no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. The, the thing is, people have asked me if, if you're having you royalties go to Ukraine, isn't that sort of far removed from human trafficking? And here's something very unfortunate. No, it's not. Uh, of the refugees, you know, the, the equivalent of, of the cartels on the Mexican border, they have exactly the same thing on the border between, well, let's say Poland and Ukraine or, or any of the other countries that are where the refugees go. And I've been told that, say, say you're a young woman, maybe you're in your 20s, uh, you've left your family, you've left your safety net, you've left your culture, you're not sure where you're going to get your next meal. And this kindly person says, I can offer you a job. Right. And, and here's what's worse. He may have heard about her because he's infiltrated one of the NGOs that's supposedly taking care of refugees. I, I've heard from people who study this and who I take to be experts that one of the targets for the bad guys is to volunteer for a refugee organization because uh -huh. then they're spotters. They can tell people, yeah, there's this, there's this girl and here's how to get, here's how to find her. Uh, it's, it's gut-wrenching. It's absolutely gut-wrenching. I mean, the inhumanity of man to man, I, I, I don't know. It's, I can't process it. It's just I, I so agree. awful. Uh, but, but I'm doing the one thing that I know how to do, which is uh, raising some money for it. Absolutely. If anybody wants to uh, get the Ukrainian or who cares about Ukraine, uh, I have a special, well, it's if you text donate to 55312, it will take you to where you can get a free copy of the book in English on Mark Victor Hansen. And it'll also take you to the place where if you choose, you can donate to Ukrainian relief. And the organization Razum, I, I asked around, you know, people that I know who are from Ukraine, uh, I asked, you know, which is kind of the most respectable one. And a lot of Ukrainians told me that, that they simply agree that Razum, which means together, and I think it has like 125,000 donations, and it does seem to be hmm. supported at least by the people from Ukraine that I know. So um, I'm hoping lots of money, and I've made donations anyway in cash, but I, I would love to have others know about it as well. Absolutely, and that's Razum, it's R-A-Z-O-M. Yeah, and you can just donate directly to them, but if you donate through me, oh. which I would love you to do, um, you get my book free, an e-book e copy of it. Awesome, so I will, so uh, if they, um, Text 55312. That's the yeah, text donate. Donate to 55312. Is that the exactly. number? That's it. Perfect. So, um, Mitzi, I mean, this has just been so fantastic, but I just want to say one other thing since you mentioned Mark Victor Hansen, because um, when I met him, uh, he was talking about his book. I think it's called Ask. Isn't that yes. correct? Yes. Right. Yes. And um, I had, I had made that connection because I thought also the, the concept of asking for what you want or what you need to pursue your goals is, is also aligned with everything I'm talking about, about people pursuing their passions, ideas, goals at any age, right? Um, but certainly there are so many older adults kind of languishing, I'll say, with nothing to do, but they have, you know, they have seeds inside of them that 
and desires that they always wanted to do something with if they only would ask, right? Exactly. You know, reach out and ask for help or look something up or ask somebody to help you look something up or Google somebody and reach out to them. You know, I have found that most people are, are responsive. They, they appreciate when people ask them for help or guidance or, you know, any kind of input that can help further somebody else that many people have this a service mentality. And so they want to help other people and see people achieve what their goals and desires are and their greater purpose. I couldn't agree more. Because yes. there's nothing worse than living without purpose. That's, that's to my mind, almost the most important thing there is. Because uh, have you heard of Viktor Frankl? Oh, yes. Not only his book is right here on my night on my dining table, but I met his son who oh wrote gosh. a book um, about a couple of years ago. And um, that was pretty amazing, too, because he talked about when we talk about PTSD, the, the life, um, the life impacting events that that situation had for everyone in their family. Yeah. Oh, and I think this is a quote from Disney, uh, who is sort of in my bad book at the moment, but... Um, right. I agree. But, but, but Walt Disney, um, he said, if you know the why, you can endure anyhow. Right. And I, I, bet he's re I bet he was referring to Viktor Frankl. By the way, in case anybody uh, doesn't know about Viktor Frankl, he wrote a book called From Death Camp to Existentialism. And he was, I think he was in Auschwitz during World I War II. I think it was, uh... Well, wherever it was, he was, in a, he was in a death camp. Right. And he noticed that some of the people who were quite frail survived, and some of the people who were in really good shape just gave up and died. And he came to the conclusion that if you don't have meaning, you're not gonna make it if you have something to live for. And he described some of the cases where people had things to live for, like somebody wanted to see his wife again. Um, somebody wanted to compose music. They, they, they had something to live for. But if you don't have something to live for, uh, at least according to his book, it's, it's lethal. Well, so I liken that to people living in nursing homes because the way a lot of them are um, run, I'll say, or fashion, right, is that it's, it's a life without meaning or purpose. There are different models of care. I'm not saying there aren't, and there are some that are striving to do better, um, but of the over 50 that I've worked in and the owners that I know that own upwards of probably 500, uh, none of them are providing that. Of course, there are over 15,000, uh, but if you don't have meaning or purpose, we all need that at any age, right? Our basic need. It's, it's gotta be one of the most important things there is. I agree, I agree. So, I mean, I mean, we have so many uh, ways that we're, uh, we have similar views and we're aligned. I mean, this has just been so terrific and um, hopefully we'll do it again because- I'd love uh, that, I'd love that. I think it's great and I'm so thrilled. So Mitzi, how can people, find the book besides uh, texting donate to 55312 or anything that you're doing or other books that you have or projects or about human trafficking how would they find out about that 
Okay, I do have a website and it's quite simple. It's mitzipurdue.com. <laughs> Pretty easy, right? And they, I'm, I'm then, happy with it. And, and then all your information is there and they can find out about your books or your, your initiatives, your projects. And um, so that's really terrific. I mean, I-, I Or the other thing is yeah, if you want to pay for it, but I recommend going to 55312 and texting donate. But if you'd like to pay for it, it's on Amazon. <laughs> No, I, I would prefer that people donate. Um, at least that's from my heart. But people, you know, have, may have other ideas. So, but I'm sure it's a wonderful book. Um, I mean, Mark Victor Hansen has he. I uh, did read he was in the Guinness Book of World Records as selling a half a billion books, the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. I mean, it's it's an extraordinary accomplishment, right? And it's an amazing story. I mean, I had. There's a, a business guru and financier, his name's Summers White, and he said it's the best business book I have ever read. Interesting. And I talking about failure, he had a lot of failures, Mark Victor Hansen. It wasn't like he just presented this manuscript someplace and they said, oh, sure, this sounds great. There were a lot of rejections and a lot of failures along the way. Is that not correct? The book, which is in the Guinness Book of World's Records for selling so many, it was turned down by 143 different publishers. So there you and, go. And it took him 14 months to find a publisher. And I mean, oh, oh, and then something that never happens happened to him. He had hired an agent to help him sell it. And the agent fired him because he said, nobody wants your, your <laughs> book. And I'd love to know what that agent thought when <laughs> there was a period where it was bringing into Mark six million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. The guy is probably saying, "Oh my god!" Well, that's like the six feet from gold story, right? It's, it's really oh yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. Same story, right? The person couldn't see it, and they gave up. And it's just what we're talking about: not giving up and pursuing your goals, and not letting what seems to be an obstacle stand in your way from forging ahead. Well, he had a co-author, Jack Kenfield, and every turn down they got, they'd tell each other, next. <laughs> that's, well, and it is, that's something very important. Sometimes it is important to have somebody else by your side who, who's kind of like a cheerleader and encourages you. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just tell you this little thing before we go. So there's a, um, the, Dr. Bill Thomas, who wrote the foreword to my last book, Dignity and Respect, Are Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve? He um, stepped out of, he was a geriatrician in a small nursing home in upstate New York. And he created an entirely different model uh, called the Greenhouse Project and the Eden Alternative. And these, these places are something very special. And I, I, he was my hero for a long time. I got to meet him, we've become friends. And um, several months ago, I was uh, working, helping out in a, as a speech pathologist and, and developing a clinical program in a, in a building. And I text him and I said, you know, I, I get it. I understand why he went in a different direction and, and uh, this is terrible. And it's exactly what we just said about Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen. There were times that he, he said, we can't do this anymore. And his wife said, no, we just have to keep going. And then there are times when she said, we can't do this anymore. And he said, no, we just have to keep going. So the importance of having a support system um, who encourages you is, is worth its weight in gold. Totally, totally. Well, anyway, Missy, this has been 
terrific. And I think we could talk forever. So, uh, but I won't bore the, the listeners with that, but thanks so much for making the time. I, I really appreciate it. I, I can't even begin to tell you and thrilled that the article came out today. So I know you're going to send me the link, but um, if people um, Google psychology today, Mitzi Purdue, Phyllis Amen, it, the article should come up. And I really am very proud that uh, you thought that there was something that I could contribute to what your passion is for your you know, for human trafficking. It was a great story and it was new to my editor who, uh, I mean, I think, oh, I think she's on top of everything there is, but even so this was new to her. So yay. Yeah, absolutely yay. So it's been just a privilege and an honor. So thanks again so much. So please join me for the next episode on Senior Straight Talk for more informative conversations of the senior years of our lives. And this is Phyllis Amon signing off for today. So please remember to like, click and share the episodes. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your host, Phyllis Amon, again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms. 